Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me tonight in the podcast show. My very special guest is Dr. Timothy Deer. Thank you, Dr. Deer, for joining me. Well, it's certainly my pleasure to be here. Uh, certainly looking forward to our conversation. So first, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a bio for Dr. Deer. He's a formidable character in the world of chronic pain because he is the CEO of the Spine and Nerve Centers of Virginia's and also of the Center of Pain Relief and there on the East Coast of America. He's a clinical professor of anesthesiology at the West Virginia University School of Medicine. And he is a leader in the field of interventional techniques and neuro modulation for over two decades. He's been busy with his time in research over the years. He's done many first-man approaches with devices, in addition to training over a thousand physicians in the novel methods of pain relief without the needs of opioids. He's also been involved with over a hundred peer-reviewed publications, several book chapters, and two books that he's leading with his own Deer's Illustrated Guide to Treatment of Pain and his more recent one, The Deer's Treatment of Pain. So we've got lots to talk about, Dr. Deer, and lots of material to cover tonight. So first question, um, just take us back a little bit in time. What made you get into the world of chronic pain? Well, when I was um, younger, I was torn between going into neurosurgery or cardiology. As I went to University of Virginia, I really met a, a lot of folks doing intensive care that were anesthesiologists and decided to change my path and go into anesthesiology. I never heard of chronic pain treatment at the time. And UVA was one of the first places in the country to, to really have a, a specific specialty of chronic pain. Initially, it was University of Washington, and then someone, Dr. Karen, trained there and then moved to Virginia. And so I was introduced to this field of chronic pain and uh, doing interventions to help folks. And uh, I was just amazed at some of the things we could do. And I saw some folks that were very miserable that treatment would help them uh, have improved quality of life. Treated a lot of cancer patients uh, that were uh, having metastatic disease and uh, became really just uh, encouraged that we could do something to relieve suffering and change my course at that point. Wonderful. And you've mentioned to me uh, regarding neuromodulation. Now, many of our audience will not know what that is. So from a public level, ground level, can you just describe what that is and how does it help people? Well, neuromodulation is a term that relies uh, on one of two things. One is to use electricity to change the nervous system in the human body, or to use uh, drugs introduced into the spinal fluid to change receptors in the spine, the way they respond to a, a, a stimulus that causes pain. So 
It's either the use of chemical or electrical means to change the way the body really talks to the brain from the periphery. Uh, so it changes the way we perceive uh, things that should be miserable or suffering into uh, less toxic things. And what is the process for a patient to have this form of treatment? Well, usually they may see someone like yourself and undergo some things uh, that are less invasive. And uh, many times they've had back surgery or they may have had uh, chemotherapy that caused nerve damage or they may have had shingles. So there's something bad has happened to their nervous system in some fashion. And they go through a chronic pathway of treatment, which may start off with things like physical therapy and non-invasive treatments, uh, psychology, and maybe things like simple procedures like trigger point injections or myofascial release. And then over time, if those things aren't helpful, then uh, they may often get to see a, a subspecialist who does devices to treat chronic pain. And those folks usually will employ those devices based on the distribution of pain, where they're hurting, and what nerve may innervate that region of the body. So it's kind of an evolution from simple treatments to more complicated therapies that lead to someone undergoing this type of treatment. And what's the practical expectation on, say, the day that they get this device implanted? Well, so, you know, it's really interesting. It's really evolved over the years. So let's say, for example, you had a terrible problem with back surgery and you had a back surgery and your back and legs were still killing you despite um, successful mechanical surgery. We can do many things for you, but when we do neuromodulation, we can go in and put a, a system in temporarily. So for a patient, you might get to experience seven or eight or 10 days of electrical stimulation therapy where someone implants a small device through a needle around a nerve, such as the spinal cord or the dorsal ganglion, which is a ball of nerves near the spine. And you can go home with that system in your body for a few weeks and see, does it help control your pain? So neuromodulation is different than most medical treatments in that you can do things temporarily without having to make a decision initially to you're sure you might be a responder. And then you go back several weeks later and get this device put in to do the same procedure. Is that right? That's correct. We'll, we'll do something temporarily for a week or two. And if you're a responder, then your long-term chance of success in our practice is about 85%. So 85% of the time, if that temporary thing helped you, we might do uh, the permanent implant. And then uh, we look down the road five, 10 years, there's a pretty good chance of success. And that, that really is important for function, quality of life, and you know, getting to do things that you really enjoy. Because many times chronic pain, as you know, in your practice, uh, really takes away a lot of your life. It takes away your fun, your joy, and your happiness with your family. So the goal is to use those therapies to bring those things back to you in some fashion. Mm. Amazing. So it can last for up to 10 years. Is that right? Well, that's true. There are some devices that uh, have longevity of, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years. What that means is if the device is successful, we wouldn't have to do anything else for some time. There's new ways to upgrade software without the need for surgery. So we put a device in in 2020, for example, and I invent something new or someone invents something new. Many times now, we can just take a computer and upgrade your device so that you'll get that new therapy. In the old days, which was only five or 10 years ago, we had to go in and replace your device if something new came along that was better. So we're seeing a real evolution in, in innovation and therapy that we can help people with one invasive procedure initially, but then many times uh, further upgrades based on computer software instead of hardware type wiring decisions from surgery. Is this available across the basic pain centers in the U.S. and Canada? 
Yes, yeah, so, well, it's certainly available in the United States. As I travel the world, and I've had the good fortune of meeting so many people around the world, we are seeing more and more access for patients. A good example is in Canada, the first dorsal root ganglion stimulation for people listening who are not physicians, that's to put a little computer chip around the nerve that processes the pain signal. For example, if you had your leg cut off in a trauma, you had severe pain in your leg where you had the injury or the amputation, there's a way to put a little device around the plexus of nerves that really process the pain signal to the brain to try to stop that signal from being so painful. And the first one of those devices ever done was just recently done in Canada in the last month. So it was the first Canadian opportunity for patients to have access to that. So that's a good example how that therapy was developed in the United States. Uh, We did the first case in 2008, and then we took that therapy to Europe and Australia, and the studies were done there. It came back to the United States in 2011. We did an FDA study. We received approval in 15. And now we've seen that therapy in places like South America, in places like Canada, in certain areas of Europe, where now the access to those therapies are improving. So as we see technology get more portable, we see more access in other countries. So Canada is certainly getting more and more access to these types of therapies for patients who suffer. Amazing. I didn't realize it was you know up this neck of the woods north of the border as well as around the world. So that's wonderful news for our audience who can get access to that. Okay, so let's digress a little bit. You know, you've mentioned a leading edge technique and opportunity for our patients. But in your new book, you mentioned about non-invasive approaches. You know, our audience is listening today and thinking, well, what can I do? You know, we've tried drugs, it doesn't work. We've tried this, it doesn't work. What are you finding as evidence-based treatments that really do make a difference for Joe Public out there? Well, I think what we saw in America going back in time was a lot of folks got a, got some sort of chronic pain problem. For example, let's say you develop neuropathy of your feet, uh, which is a common problem. And a few years ago, you were put on opioids, and many times those did not help your chronic pain. So you got more opioids and then more opioids. And as you know, we had a problem in America with overusing opioids. And then we got where many people that had back problems, everyone got a back surgery. Um, so if you had back pain in a disc, you had your disc removed. We had a, we've had a lot of problems with people failing back surgery. So now what we're seeing is a real evolution where we have people who are initially offered things that are less interventional. And that may include things like devices that can be put on the, for example, on the head, and you can get external stimulation, for example, for things like depression or migraine. So we're seeing more and more use of, of devices, uh, vagal nerve stimulation, where we put uh, devices around the vagal nerve just outside the skin. So we're seeing more and more devices that may be able to use stimulation through the surface of the body rather than be in the body. Now, unfortunately, the outcome data for that, those therapies are still evolving. We still haven't seen uh, great studies yet on many of those therapies, but I think with the really the, the momentum to use these non-invasive technologies in the next five to 10 years, uh, your people who listen to your podcast will be able to try those types of non-interventional therapies initially. If those fail, then we'll, we would move on to more interventional methods. So we are getting a new uh, investigation of data into those things that are less invasive. We're not really there yet for most of those therapies. We're, they're just in their early phases of development. But, but I'm really optimistic that we'll see more and more success in those areas. Wow. Never heard of those. And I think it'll be a long time before we see them up here in Canada. It's great to hear, though. You know, I think we always need to be open and curious of how else can we help our patients because even today I was talking with a colleague in Central America with a 
very novel approach with like a hydro dissection technique with a trigger point, which is kind of what I do very simply by just releasing the tight fascia and the muscle knots with the myofascial pain. But his work has been substantiated at Harvard and, you know, the anti-inflammatory approaches and just learning about the science of inflammation and how that can be altered with fatty acids. And, you know, it's mind-blowing. So I think we always need to be open and ready for the next thing. And, you know, people like yourself, they're just leaders in the field inspiring us to kind of go down and study and be involved with these practices. So, you know, is there any tips you would give our audience tonight about where they're at with their pain? Well, I think it's important not to give up. I have several patients that I saw 10 years ago who um, went on and did other things and really there wasn't much to offer them. And now they come back in 2019, 2020, we have new methods of stimulating, for example, peripheral nerves. So there's all kinds of new devices that we can put a, a small needle in without any incision, for example, and put a computer chip around a peripheral nerve. So you, let's say you had uh, an injury to your hand, you had carpal tunnel surgery that went badly, and you have now severe pain in your hand. In the old days, you were, you were pretty much uh, really stuck with that problem. But now we can put in devices for 60 days, for example, where we stimulate the nerve in a very certain fashion. And we see resolution of pain in some of those folks permanently, even though we've only done an interventional therapy for 60 days and we removed that little small computer chip. That's all brand new. Our radio frequency of the spine, we take a little needle and we actually keep the nerve that innervates the joints in the spine. We're seeing great success with that. That's been around for many years, but the success of the therapies is better than ever because we've standardized the method. And then lastly, I'll mention to you, we're doing more and more minimally invasive procedures in the spine. We're doing things like interspinous spacers. So instead of having a, a large spine surgery, we can go in and put in a spacer that opens their spine just enough, a few millimeters, to those who have spinal stenosis, for example, are able to walk instead of 20 feet. They can actually get back to walking normally, seeing their grandchildren going to church, doing the things they like to do. So all those therapies have been evidence proven in studies in the last few years and so these are things that replace more invasive things. So if you've been offered a major surgery or things of that nature for chronic pain, you should go find someone who knows some of these newer techniques. They are less invasive, less risky, less likely to cause infection or bleeding. And uh, certainly if it's right for you, you may find that you can continue to do very well. Also, it's important we collaborate. People like yourself doing the myofascial type pain treatments myself doing things that are more interventional for the nerve, many times the patient needs someone like you and someone like me working together to really try to help their overall picture in this multimodal fashion. So I think it's also encouraging that we can work together versus one person knowing everything. And I really find it's really rare that only one doctor is going to treat you properly. We need to, to really combine our efforts. Wonderfully said. And my, my sentiments exactly from my experience. So Listen, it's been a pleasure to have you on tonight. I hope to meet you in person one day, maybe at a big conference somewhere in the world, and uh, we could chat in person. But from my audience to you, thank you so much. And I wish you all the best and keep on discovering new ways of helping our patients and the general public at large. Well, thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you're continuing to do up there in the, uh, the Canada, up in Canada and certainly uh, look forward to seeing your progress up there. So thanks for having me and have a wonderful night. Thank you so much, Dr. Deer.